Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the WTF1 podcast. We're back for another one. This time, we're not reviewing a race. We're talking about some F1 news that has occurred quite recently. The three new tracks to the calendar. It's all happening. My name is Matthew Gallagher and joining me once again, I was about to say in the commentary box. We have been in the commentary box, but it's not. We're in the virtual podcast box. It's Tom Bellingham. Hello. It's been a while since we've done any commentary, but yeah. Yeah, I kind of miss it. I kind of like the duo. It's it's really nice. But instead, we we will not think about that. We will think about three amazing races that have been announced on the 2020 F1 calendar. As much as we've had such a torrid time with everything, and I hope everybody's still staying safe uh, and well and their families are are well as well, it's, you know, this is a very strange predicament that we find ourselves in with this Formula One calendar and and the, the, the COVID situation where Formula One can't go around the world to where they want to wherever. So we have to pick up a few new ones. I know. Who could have imagined the uh, tracks that we'd be racing on this year? It's so so unexpected. Because even even when there was all the talk about, oh, they might have to go to a few tracks off the calendar. I don't know if you're the same, but I was like, yeah, no way that's happening. Yeah, Absolutely uh, not. Uh, I could, didn't believe it for a second, but amazing. We've had four now. It's amazing how quickly they can find tracks that will be willing and suitable to, to host a Formula One race. Uh, I don't know if... Uh, F1 fans that are watching and listening to this feel the same as I did, but I always felt like there would be some restrictions or some reason why we couldn't go back to Imola or whatever. But it seems as though the turnaround has been rather quick, it has to be said, um, because some tracks you know, probably weren't ready to, to host an F1 race and they've had to get their, their shit together. Mm. It all comes down to grade one, as it's called, on the FIA list so to host a formula one race you have to be fia grade one circuit which obviously all these are um there are every single track on the calendar is fia grade one and um any and also there are a few others that don't host formula one races like these ones and also a few others and yeah that's the that's the reason i guess why they've been able to turn it around so quickly because i guess they don't have the problem with fans being at the track and they need to open like uh, like access and all that kind of stuff. Although there is talk that there might be fans at the last couple, so that would be quite interesting. You can sign me up to those if it is opened up. I do fancy yeah. uh, a bit of travelling, if, if if possible, to go to a Formula One race, even if it's just for fun, even if it's not even for work, yeah. which is weird to say, isn't it? As much as, you know, people would be like, cry me a river, but I, I can't remember the last time I actually just went to just have fun rather than <laughs> trying to, to do something for WTF1 or whatever. Obviously, it's still fun, but um, I'm oh, definitely yeah. down to to see what, what happens at, towards the end of this year. So let's talk about the first one, Nürburgring, 9th to the 11th of October. Now, we need to um, basically tell people that it's not the entire Nürburgring <laughs> Nordschleife circuit, which I know a lot of people were getting quite excited about, um, because, fair enough, if you're new to Formula One, you, you probably wouldn't know about the Nürburgring GP circuit uh, that, that we've seen a few races on. Although, to be fair, it wasn't that long ago that we raced around Nürburgring, right? 2013, I believe, was the last F1 race at Nürburgring. So it, it doesn't feel like that long ago, but then I have to remind myself with all these things that it's seven years ago. It's mad, isn't and it? And a lot of people have maybe only been watching, even in the last couple of years, never mind seven years ago. So 
yeah it's it's a crazy one but yeah not not the full one that would be a bit mad and it's definitely not fia grade one no no <laughs> the amount of bumps and changes in elevation it absolutely not happen but uh ring still as a gp circuit is is pretty good i would say it's probably not my favorite and when they were alter uh, alternate alternating that's the word uh between yeah. hockenheim and nurburgring back around that 2013 around or 2010 era uh I, I always preferred hockenheim over nurburgring personally uh what about you tommy yeah the same i think the hockenheim ring the new one obviously people classic f1 fans love to say they butchered that hockenheim ring the old one in the forest which was an incredible racetrack but i actually did really like the hockenheim ring that they mm. they did the change there's a lot of great overtaking spots there nurburgring gp circuit i do actually really like that one as well like i think it's going to be a good track for formula one i don't think it's um as badly suited to modern f1 as a lot of people seem to think but i think it's going to be uh, a decent race and it's it's always interesting to kind of throw a curveball like this and race at a track we don't expect and hopefully some good racing yeah, absolutely. You know, you've got a couple of good overtaking opportunities into the the last chicane um, and then also into turn one as well. A lot of the rest of it, you'd probably say is is decently single file, apart from maybe that kind of long hairpin uh, in the middle sector uh, before you go up the hill towards the Schumacher S's, isn't it? That's what it's called. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, Nürburgring's not, not like they've uh, announced Monaco for 10 races. <clears throat> that would have been... Um, Incredible, Quite saddening. <laughs> <laughs> Even you would take 10 races around Monaco. Oh, absolutely not. No. Okay, good. Uh, I think I've said many times the reason I like Monaco is for the uniqueness and one is plenty. Okay, perfect. I'll allow that then. Uh, at F1 underscore Amy says, how do we think the safety will be, especially with the Nürburgring? Now, I think that Amy is also referring to the full Nordschleifer. Yeah, that's that's not happening. But Nürburgring, as, as we've already mentioned, has already hosted Formula One races, so the safety will be completely fine and it's a grade one circuit and I don't think that they'd have to have changed much, if anything, uh, to allow Formula One to go back. No, not at all. If it's if it's grade one, you can host it, simple as that. So that's what uh, we'll go into Imola later, but that's what Imola have done. They used to be a grade two circuit and they upgraded um, a lot of um, circuits have kind of up they want that grade one status and that's what they need to be able to host a formula one race so there are no issues with safety at all for nurburgring grand prix circuit it's all good all good at james bruton 74 could holding a race at the nurburgring in october lead to a complete washout of a race weekend absolutely i mean it's europe (laughs) so yeah yeah, you never know what could happen in october as well that's something we never see is a european race that late uh, into uh into well towards winter isn't it? It's it's crazy to think that yeah. that we've got a European race then because I think even if it doesn't rain, it will be cold, and we don't usually see very cold races. I can't remember the last time the air temperature would be below ten, maybe. Uh, I'm sure you probably don't have that fact to heart, uh, Tommy. But <laughs> we don't have that. That the only time we've ever seen something like that was when they went testing in Spain and it was snowed. It's got its own microclimate, I guess. Uh, Nurburgring that that. Won't seem to have the same problems in Italy and Portugal. But when I did see that they were hosting a race in Germany in, when was it? Sorry, yeah, start like of October. Length, yeah. I mean, that that's a brave call because Spa, for example, I, I this actually blew my mind. When I worked in the WC 
four or five years ago now um i had no idea because i'd not really looked it on a map and uh, i drove to the nurburgring for work and it's only like two hours away from spa so it's that close to spa and we all know what spa's like with its weather it's got its own like microclimate they always love to say that cliche don't they at spa and nurburgring is the is the same it, it could be it, like you say, I wouldn't even be surprised if it snowed. You never know. And especially the way 2020 is going, you wouldn't put it past it, would you? No, you wouldn't. Um, at Beth One, I think we've kind of mentioned this, but I'll read the question out anyway. Has someone who's never watched any races there or has any idea of the track layout, what should we be looking out for? Where will the overtakes be? What would be deemed a risky place to overtake? I think Turn 1 is obviously a really good opportunity to overtake, but also is quite risky with how uh, the camber changes in the corner and this, it's, it's downhill and then you go back uphill uh, towards turn two, which then, yeah, it's, it's quite quite a difficult set of corners, I'd I'd say to to get right. But in these modern F one cars, I'm sure they'll they'll manage just fine. Um, and then you go round turn two, three, four, very much single file. Then you kind of go up. I'm I'm just kind of just having a mental lap now. Yeah, uh, have a small pins. straight, don't you? Then to to the then left, right. Yeah, uh, and then, then you down go down the hill, the hill to the slightly. I think that's a bit of a stretch that hairpin to over to get an overtake done. Yeah. Yeah, um, it would have to be an absolute kind of Leroy Jenkins Banzai move to try and get that done. I can't see that happening, but yeah, turn one definitely is the place. But then there's also, like you say, after the uh, hairpin, you go, you've got like another left, right, and then you've got that long straight that goes into like a right hand turn, very like quick right hand turn. And then some people like to overtake into the chicane. I imagine mm. that's where the two DRS zones are going to be. I would be very surprised if it wasn't that long straight before the chicane and also the final. The pit straight, straight yeah. The pit straight, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't think there's really any other place that they could have even like a triple DRS. Because you never know. We don't know, have we? We haven't been there for, for so long. They could easily change it uh, and allow for, for more DRS zones. We've seen three already um, in, in previous races. So mm, don't put it past yeah, them because I'd, I'd say they could fit it in if they tried, but... I don't think it, I think two is definitely probably the the most likely. We interrupt this WTF1 podcast for a very quick chat about our sponsor for this episode, ExpressVPN. Now, when you're searching online, you may think that going into incognito mode will protect all of your data. Well, let me tell you something. Incognito mode does not hide your activity. It doesn't matter what mode you use or how many times you clear your browsing history, your internet service provider can still see every single website you've ever visited. That's why, even when I'm at home, I never go online without using ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is an app that reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers so your ISP can't see the sites you visit. ExpressVPN also keeps all of your information secure by encrypting 100% of your data with the most powerful encryption available. Most of the time, I don't even realise I have ExpressVPN on. It runs seamlessly in the background and is so easy to use. All you have to do is tap one button and you're protected. ExpressVPN is available on all of your devices, phones, computers and even your smart TV, so there's no excuse for you not to be using it. Protect your online activity today with the VPN rated number one by CNET and Wired. Visit our exclusive link, expressvpn.com forward slash WTF1, and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com forward slash WTF1. Now, back to the podcast. Um, so, so moving on to our next edition, which is Portimao. I think that's how you say it. Portimao. <laughs> Mao. Portimao. I've been saying Portimao. I've never Portimao. heard it said out loud. I 
don't Portimao. So I'm hoping that's right. Portimao. Portimao? Portimao. That's what I've been saying. So yeah, okay. you said right. the same. We'll go with that. So I assume we've heard it somewhere. Now, I don't know a huge amount about this track. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I don't think anybody really knows a huge amount. I've, I've had a quick look at the, the lap around it. and Oh, you mean very... you don't watch the European Le Mans series, Matthew? No. No, I don't. Uh, quite quite happily will say that I'm a Formula One fanboy and that's it. Um, but what was quite noticeable for me was the most ridiculous eleva- elevation change down towards turn one, where it looks like it's almost like a roller coaster. Uh, there, was a G- there was a GP2 race, wasn't there, that, that raced there? Um, yeah, 2009. 2009, so still 11 years ago. Madness. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it's still a track that I think is quite exciting, especially because we've never been there before. We can't really judge it until we go. Exactly. And boy, is it wide. I don't know if you noticed that from the GP2 race that F1 shared a clip of, didn't they? It's a thick boy with two Cs. It is. It's, I mean, that was the GP2 cars that were a little bit thinner than the Formula 1 cars. But even with the wide Formula 1 cars we've got now, you're still talking like maybe four cars wide. I wouldn't know exact, exact, but it's a, it's a definitely a very wide pit straight. Reminds me of uh, Sepang a little bit with how wide the track is. Mm. And um, yeah, the the first turn's a weird one because it goes slopes downhill, kind of in a reverse coater, if you like. Um, very strange though. They've actually changed. Um, there there is a layout, and the one that they did use in t- two thousand and nine for the GP two was a chicane into the first corner, which kind of turns back on itself. And while it's a bit of a clumsy chicane it means that there's a heavier braking zone into turn one. Now, they've not done that, I believe, from the track map that they've shared on F1. So it'd be interesting to see how quickly they're going into that turn. It might be a case of passing before the braking zone with DRS than a kind of lock-up lunge into turn one. Okay. Um, At I Forgot My Name 56 says, am I the only one who is quite anxious with racing in Portimao due to... Uh, the track characteristics being fairly similar to Catalonia and more elevation changes. What, what, what would you say to that, Tommy, as I look up the track map? Uh, yeah, people have been quick to notice that it looks like a kind of, can I copy a homework version of Catalonia? Yeah. Uh, with the whole, like, um, if you imagine um, spe- Catalonia, it looks like a kind of person with strong arms flexing and... Uh, <laughs> there's kind of uh Estoril was the same which hosted the Portuguese Grand Prix back in 96 was the last one so it's mm. the last Portuguese Grand Prix that was very similar as well but for me I don't personally share the same concerns because the thing that's always bugged me the most about Catalonia is chicane. I mention it every podcast that bloody chicane and there is isn't the one worst thing and there isn't one it's a swooping downhill right-hander they're gonna probably have drs or at least get into the slipstream so they've got all that time swooping down that right hand hill to prepare to get close and then they'll have an entire straight which we mentioned earlier is about four cars wide i don't think we're gonna have anywhere near as many problems touch wood i well to be fair when you look at the track i think we're gonna have a a pretty good race because as you say it, it's it's a it's a better Catalonia to be honest yeah. when I look at it um, because yeah the, the last chicane has always been the problem because they could never get close enough into turn one whereas 
as you say, they have to wind up for, for much longer. They, they go through a long right-hander into then more of a right-hander, and they've got the whole of that pretty much flat, I would imagine. Then you'd have DRS down the main straight. You'd have DRS again as you come back on ourselves on maybe turn four. Um, and then there's so, a big hairpin for that uh, after turn four or five, I can't remember which one it is. Yeah. I imagine that's going to be DRS as well. Turn and then there's a, actually, yeah. a tasty little braking zone hairpin that I imagine is going to be a little bit longer than the one in the final sector of Catalonia. So we might it might see even more overtaking there. So yeah, I personally don't believe that it's going to be anywhere near as problematic as Catalonia. And I'm hoping that it's a very good race to the point where it maybe even kicks Catalonia off the track because I'm not Imagine. a fan. That is another question though, isn't it? That that these tracks are finally getting a chance to to be thrust into the Formula One spotlight. Could we see post this whole pandemic situation, some of these tracks actually being brought on full time indeed i think it is the very next question <laughs> is it i haven't even i haven't even looked that's incredible <laughs> um here we go at paulie underscore walnuts why were these tracks not considered for a regular season race they are obviously up to f1 standards i know you're going to say money but maybe we need to rotate rotate tracks for the regular season money Money. <laughs> it's, like, it's all down to you know they have to assess loads of things don't they like selling tickets um and yeah, sponsors and, and, and the circuit, because the circuit has to pay a huge amount of money anyway to host Formula One races, don't they? Yeah. It's not yeah, like very... Formula One pay the circuits to use them. It's the other way around. So Which... the circuit has to weigh up whether it's even possible. And then, as you mentioned earlier, Tommy, uh, with um, Nürburgring, I think, oh no, it was Imola, I think we mentioned very quickly, was the fact that they don't have to think about the fans side of things. And, you know, can yeah. they accommodate 100,000 people on a normal race weekend? Exactly. I mean, we saw what happened with Paul Rickard. They were had a track, I mean, suited. I'll use the term suited for F1 loosely because no it's um, a grade one for Formula One, shall I say. <laughs> um, and the very first race there, you had people queuing so long to get into the track that they couldn't get in, in even in time for free practice too. So that is something that has to be considered with these things. And I guess this year they don't have that worry. Yeah. There's lots of, lots of uh, things to, to take into, into consideration because as you say, you don't, you don't want to have another Paul Ricard where it was a complete and utter mess. Like they can't have that happen because then you, they, they issued refunds, didn't they? As far as I'm aware. I believe so. Yeah. Because it was, yeah. it was beyond Ridiculous. farcical. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was not really like, bad. Oh, if you left earlier, you would have got in, you literally would have had to camp outside in order to get in. Um, before uh, before the, the the session started, so lots of things yeah. to consider. I would love to see some of these tracks stay, especially Imola. I'm so excited for that. Um, we'll yeah. get onto that shortly. I think uh, one... swapping. I think swapping as well is a great idea. Um, mm. I I didn't even actually think about it until you mentioned the Germany thing, where they used to alternate between Hockenheim and Nurburgring. I think that was quite quite good because you keeps had it, it fresh. Yeah, yeah, keeps it fresh and. At the end of the day, there are contracts and that will always be the issue. But if there was a way to make this happen, you know, personally, I wouldn't mind Portimao one year replacing Catalonia or Abu Dhabi or gets mixed up with Dubai or something like that. Do you know, like mixing up tracks would be exciting because you've seen the reaction online. Like everyone's buzzing about these races to see new tracks in Formula One. Indeed. 
whether that in Formula One's eyes would turn into more money is another question. And that's <laughs> always what it comes down to. Unfortunately, us fans, we don't, we're not number one. It's whether or not we'll actually spend money is the, is the big question. Uh, the final question on Portimao, Mao, Mao, Portimao is at underscore Habro. Which of the tracks will produce the best race in terms of overtaking and wheel-to-wheel battles and maybe safety cars? Uh, for me personally, I think Nürburgring most likely Portimao potentially but between these three that we're going to be talking about Imola's the final one yeah I, I don't see Imola being a, a, an absolute stunner I think it's more down the Monaco route of we're back yeah it's very um it's I imagine I can see Imola playing out very similar to how Zandvoort was going to play out where the track is absolutely awesome everyone wants to see it. it's a proper driver's circuit might not produce the best overtaking but depending on who you are and what, why you kind of watch F1 and what you like about Formula 1, might not be for everyone. But I'd, I'd say Portimao has a very good chance that we could see a good race here because it'll be unknown. The, the teams won't have really raced there before, uh, not even in testing or anything. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they set up the the, the changes in the elevations, really exciting. And then just the, just the fact that it's a wide boy, is going to make it a uh, a wide boy indeed. Exciting race, I think. I'm I'm really looking forward to this one. I think if this does well, I do hope that it gets considered for the calendar in the future because it's like a good one. Yeah, fingers crossed. I think personally, I think Nurburgring still will be better, just purely because I think we'll have changeable conditions and uh, <laughs> that that should uh, hopefully provide with with some amazing racing as long as it doesn't get washed out. That's uh, that's yeah. the next. Uh, problem we'll probably have on our list uh finally imola is the third and uh, final track that we've uh, we're talking about today 31st of october to the 1st of november so those uh, keen mathematicians out there will notice that hmm. that is two days not three so the actual schedule for that hasn't been announced we don't know exactly what they're going to be doing are they just going to be doing more running um over two days or are they going to be just getting rid of fp1 and fp2 fingers crossed uh, but hopefully yeah i mean for for your for your wet dream it definitely would be uh, <laughs> be the be the case wouldn't it um oh, i am iron man 17 will it be strange for the drivers to race to imola knowing it's past i don't personally think it would be obviously there is a, a lot of history with imola um i think a lot of the drivers will find it very cool indeed because it's it's always going to have that history and for me anyway, you know, 28-year-old man, you know, I used to race on the games there. And, you know, I, I think that it, it it would mean more to the drivers to race around there. Yeah, I think, I imagine a lot of this is due to the whole, like, um, Senna Ratzenberger thing as well. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, we, we've, we've sadly lost many uh, drivers at different yeah. circuits. And, you know, we had Hubert at Spa, Bianchi at Suzuka. And... I guess the thing with Imola is it will always be so well known because it was the darkest weekend in F1 history. But it is one of those tracks they've made changes and it is one of those tracks that drivers adore. Like you you saw, uh, I think it was Esteban Ocon um, uh, potentially on Instagram. And I think George Russell retweeted the tweet from F1 and was like, Yes, Imola's back. It's, it that's the one that all the drivers are really keen to race at because it's it's a proper like drivers spectacle. Yeah, like uh, amazing absolutely. track. Uh, 
at Tom McCluskey. McCluskey? Tom <laughs> McCluskey. I can't speak today. Um, obviously known as Tom F one How has Imola as a circuit evolved from a safety point of view since that weekend in 1994 that took Ayrton and Roland's lives? Uh, Tommy, I'm hoping you have the answer to that because I don't know the specifics. I do. Uh, yeah, so 1994, um, obviously the the Tamborello corner where uh, Senna lost his life was a flat left-hander uh, that they were taking at like 200 miles an hour. And then the next uh, right-hander was also flat. And that's where uh, Ratzenberger sadly um, crashed and died as well. And then you go into Toza, which is the slow left-hander now immediately after 1994 they changed the circuit to have um the chicane so the first corner is like a fast sweeping chicane and then you go down a straight back into another chicane and then through tozer so you don't have uh, they changed that immediately in um 95 but also which I notice F1 are showing a lot of clips from 2006 and the onboards. And I guess if people haven't um, watched any racing at Imola since then, uh, they may not know this, but it's also changed since then. So in 2008, we were mentioning earlier about the FIA grade one circuits. Yeah. That needs to be, um, to, to be an FIA grade one circuit, they had to update the pit lane. So they changed the pit straight and now, rather than that final chicane, uh, which will all um, you've seen the many clips of Alonso and Shumi go that amazing mm. battle that they had into that final chicane, uh, that's no longer there. That's just a straight on. Uh, so they're just going straight all the way from that um, double left hander, and then just going straight on all the way to that first chicane. So there's a there's a big long straight now as well, which hopefully means a bit more overtaking than we had back in 2006. Yes, fingers crossed. Um, Kyle McIver96 says, are you slightly worried that some of the corners of the past will become flat out for these cars, especially that Merck, especially that Merck, considering it was the only thing taking Hungary turn 11 flat? Uh, I mean, I, I, don't really, I don't really know where you're, you're looking at in terms of the, the circuit map where, where the Mercedes is going to have a huge advantage, to be honest, because unless you're taking turn eight flat, which is quite frankly ridiculous, I, I don't really see where, you know, as you go into Aqua Minerale, I don't know, oh. there's a slight right kink there, but you'd imagine most cars will be taking it flat. I, I don't see a particular section of the corner, at least at, at Tracks Road, for me personally, where the Mercedes could possibly have such a, an advantage where they can take something flat. Mercedes just quick everywhere, aren't they? Let's be honest this year. I mean, they've won the two races that are almost polar opposite to each other in terms of flat out um, straight line speed and the kind of twisty Monaco like track. So I, uh, I guess the, the, the main thing is that people don't think these new tracks are maybe suited to modern F1 because corners don't aren't corners anymore anymore, but you did mention Aqua Minerale. I think that's the most, the thing I'm most looking forward to in the entire F1 season is watching cars go back through there because that kind of quick right-hander into a slower right-hander is probably my favourite corner in the world. So I'm looking, wow. really looking forward. To, I'm really statement. looking forward to um, watching modern F1 cars take that. And and also the, you mentioned about 
it being flat like it's a bad thing. I mean, that Mercedes going flat through turn eleven was pretty spectacular. It was to epic, watch, wasn't so... it? I guess it's more on a on a competitive yeah, standpoint. Yeah. But then, you know, what can we do? <laughs> They've made yeah. an amazing car this year. That just just kind of accept it and and enjoy the the flying laps that that car's able to produce because that's all we've really got. But uh, yeah, I, I'm <laughs> I'm completely on the same standpoint of Aquamila Rally being a really interesting corner to to watch, and I'm I'm going to be very fascinated to see how how the cars take it differently and, and how the Red Bull in particular is going to going to manage around this sort of track where, you know, they've been looking like they've been struggling so much around both um, Austria and, and Hungary. Mm. So uh, yeah, let's see if um, it's not going to be a dog around Imola, but either way, it's quite narrow, isn't it? Imola. So it's going to be quite difficult to, to overtake. It's not going to be the likes of Portimao where <laughs> you've got, you can go about nine wide. No, it's a, Yeah. Over, overtaking wise a lot of people want to know where you can overtake at Imola and I think because they've changed that circuit and you kind of go straight on now um, instead of the final chicane you're going to be looking at hopefully a DRS pass into turn one down yeah. the main straight and that's about it but I mean yeah, they're not gonna, they're not, it's not going to be particularly I think it's going to be a case of slipstream and passed by the time they get down to turn two rather than because turn one is literally just a kink, isn't it? As far as I'm aware, there's not actually. It's like a, a Russia. Um, yeah. At least that's what I'm looking at on the track map. Yeah, uh, exactly. So, so yeah, when you get to turn two, it's not a, it's not a hairpin. It's not a massive braking point. It's kind of a medium speed chicane, isn't it? So that yeah, it, it could be interesting going into that, but I don't think we're going to see ridiculous lunges because there isn't really a place to do it unless somebody gets a little bit of a swapper out of Aquaminerali down towards the next chicane. Uh, or maybe down into 14, potentially, uh, with the last couple of corners, um, the double left-hander, potentially, yeah. as you go down the hill. Uh, I'm just trying to maintain y- positivity. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've I've mentioned this many, many times, and I, I'm really excited to see Imola, and I'm not going to sit here and pretend it's going to be the most exciting race in the world for new fans, and I I do understand where people are coming from when they maybe don't like these kind of circuits. We said it at Zandvoort as well, didn't we, that it's probably not the greatest race for overtaking, but it's going to be a spectacle. And I'm really looking forward to seeing these modern F1 cars around there. But at the same time, I do appreciate that we might have to rely on a wet race or maybe some strategy, tyre strategy, uh, which we'll go into later, like you say, about the two, two-day weekend. That might not be as straightforward as we think. Later, we'll get into it right now, actually, Tommy, at M underscore DCRO, oh, DC Rodriguez says, with less practice at Imola, how is Pirelli going to make predictions for tyre degradation and pit windows? I imagine that's sarcastic, is it? Is that? I hope so. Sarcastic question. I hope so, because Um, they don't need to, because we don't like that. (laughs) No, no. But um, I guess in terms of just generally teams rocking up and having to perform it's going to be huge for them if it's a two-day f1 weekend we have less practice running and they have no previous data to go by on these tires lovely it's going to be an absolute mess for a lot of the teams and that's exactly what we want to see isn't it we 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 don't want to know how it's all going to unfold like when we saw f2 for example around hungary uh and you know in the sprint race you'd never see anyone pit uh but the winner was probably the one of the only people not to pit and that's because of the the lack of data that they had about how the tyres were going to perform. So <laughs> hopefully that will translate to Imola uh, and, and Formula One. Um, that's mm. what I'm hoping, at least. We've done it. 
I, I think it's now like there's probably a, a bingo thing in our podcast where every time we mention that free practice should go but we do mention it all the time that mercedes are probably going to win every race so why not throw a curveball in and not let them spend four hours on a saturday uh, sorry friday setting up their car to absolute perfection where they know exactly what lap they need to put on exactly what tires they need to use exactly the setup they need it should i i can only hope that this race is an absolute banger and the F- FIA go, oh, yeah, two-day weekend's pretty cool. Oh, Let's they're not going to, yeah, I mean, come on, it's, <laughs> it's less money again, so I highly doubt they'll then go, ah, two-day yeah, F1 weekends, al- Although, to be fair, to be fair, they, there is talk that two-day weekends is the kind of, is going to be the answer in terms of having a 25-race calendar that they want, so... So just more running on those two days rather than spread over three. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, Do we actually know what the reason is for the two-day F1 weekend? I have no idea. No, I I, I, I don't. They've said it. They just kind of announced it, and now everyone's like, ooh, this is exciting. I I, I wonder why. I'd love to know the actual reason why. I wonder Um, if it is Ross Braun, because you know how um, Ross Braun was desperate to tinker with the formats and things a little bit. Um, have reverse grids and they've just gone we're not giving you an option you're racing for this and that's it nice Uh, Shane Poth says should these tracks stay for future seasons or be a one time thing we've kind of already mentioned that but it would be nice for them to interchange wouldn't it yeah I don't uh, one one thing that we haven't actually mentioned I I don't know if I I didn't really see that much um talk of it and maybe it's because we we want positivity but um this announcement kind of overshadowed the fact that we aren't going to be racing in the americas this this season so they've already announced that the four races have been cancelled so no interlagos which is very sad very sad and while i'm absolutely loving this calendar for me personally i don't think we need three races in italy a year like it should be a world championship we should be racing at different tracks i'm absolutely loving that we've had this mixed up calendar but yeah let's maybe in a perfect world i'd love it mixed up every year but we still go to races all over the world agreed like into lagos and stuff yeah completely agree because uh Fans got to see their the the Formula One cars yeah. in action. Italy can't have it all. <laughs> the, the one year that we have three races in Italy, Ferrari or rubbish. Oh, they're going to get uh, embarrassed three times. Just it's just the way, isn't it? Unfortunately, mm. um, other circuits. Diana underscore re says, which other circuits would you like to uh, to see, or would you like to be added to the uh, race calendar? Um, the only one that comes to mind for me is is Turkey, but that's not that's not ready. That's or, a car park now, I yeah. believe. I think it's a used car dealership now. That, I genuinely believe uh, that is the case. What about you, Tommy? Uh, I've got some uh, exciting news, a rumor. That exciting apparent, news or a rumor? A rumor. <laughs> well, uh, from from the from the rumors that I've uh, that have been going around, is the next triple header after this one, maybe two races at uh, Vietnam, and then Sepang. And I absolutely love Sepang yes. and really need it back. So, yes, please. Just make sure the drain covers are nailed down this time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? That uh, would be awesome. Love I, Malaysia. I would, I would love Malaysia to come back. So Not, yes, sure, not so please. sure about two races of Vietnam, but hey, we can't complain. We're not allowed I mean, to we'll complain. S- We've got F1 we'll back. See. 
we'll see. We, we don't know about Vietnam yet, do we? So. No, but uh, it would be lovely to see Malaysia back. It deserves to be on the calendar. Um, and, well, this crisis was the only way we would have seen Malaysia back on the calendar for quite some time, I imagine. Yeah. So A strange thing um, that, as well, we, we did a video, didn't we, about um, the ideal calendar. Uh, mm. the, and in it, you have to race in three different continents. Yeah. And so far, we've only raced in Europe, so they're going to need uh, to start. I wonder if, if that, that that ruling's void this year. I it wonder. might might be, might be. I imagine, yeah, a global pandemic probably is in the small printers things that um, <laughs> <laughs> they can kind of scrap the three continent rule. But I mean, the, yeah. the, the only problem is racing in Europe until December might be an issue. They'll be running out of tracks and running out of kind of countries Weather. that won't be snowing. <laughs> I, I was looking into yeah. grade one circuits actually. And one of them that I didn't even realize was grade one was one in Finland, and it's called the Kimi Ring. No word of a lie. Well, now we need to go there, don't we? We absolutely (laughs) need to go there. In December. Everybody's going to be on Google now. In December when it's icy and we have like a a F1 race on spiked tires. Red Bull would uh, have that locked down, (laughs) I think, because they've done so many things on ice that... uh... They, they would know exactly the car set up to run. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd love love to see Kimi Ring. Bring it. Let's do it. Grade one <laughs> circuit. Let's go. Yeah. Right. That is uh, pretty much it, isn't it, Tommy? Unless you've got anything else to add? No, it's all good. I'm I'm hoping that, yeah, I, I'm really hoping we do race at Sepang now because that would be amazing. And bring back Turkey. But unfortunately, it's the car, car park. park. <laughs> so... Sad times. Anyway, thank you so much, everybody, for watching and listening. Uh, wherever you are, make sure to give us a big fat five stars or a big fat thumbs up. Uh, we're actually uh, in the top, well, we're 37th, aren't we, on the Spotify playlists, Tommy, the last time uh, you yeah, posted. Crazy. I don't know if that's gone up or down, but either way, thank you so much, everybody, that uh, continues to listen to this podcast and for some reason listen to myself and Tommy's opinions. Um, <laughs> of course, you know, make sure if you want to get involved in terms of any questions um follow us on twitter wtf1 official and use the hashtag wtf1 podcast for any burning opinions or questions that you have uh, also make sure um, to check out S- expressvpn our sponsor for this episode and that is that thank you very much tommy thank you i'm looking for we've got three races to look forward to now indeed back to back lot. to back we'll have lots of race reviews coming your way and internet's best reactions of course so look forward to that and until next time See you very soon. Bye bye. Bye. Bye, I wave at you again. Bye. Bye. See, I'm actually seeing you tomorrow, aren't I? Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah. Can't wait. See you you tomorrow. Bye. See you tomorrow. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, this is scenario number seven. A one, a two, three laps left. Lando Norris in the car. So come on, let's drift to the purple sector round the corner. The boys say to turn the power down, but I really don't wanna silverware like I had last week. I must overtake, cause points ain't cheap. I need DRS, ERS, a chest pain procedure. And as I continue, you know I'm breaking deeper. So what can I do? Perez is really slow, my lord. Danny Rick and Stroller just down the road. 
don't know the X2 lines to the song, so I'm just gonna go and talk like this. A little bit of Daniel going wide, a little bit of Lance Stroll side by side, a little bit of Perez is all I need, a little bit of P5 is what I see, a little bit of DRS in the sun, a little bit of VRS all straight long, a little bit of overtake, here I am, <laughs> a little bit of woo makes me your star. Hello. Oh, I'm loving this.